Ladies and gentlemen, it's Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and not Calvin Chamberlain, because where the hell is he? Nobody knows. I know where he is. I just don't know why he's not on the board yet. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, you're listening to CLNS Radio, and um, this is how we're going to start the show. I'm going to tell you what the phone number is for you to call, 323-642-1484, and then I will say hello to my co-host. What's up, Calvin? How you doing, bud? Hey, buddy. Sorry about that. It hung up on me. I didn't realize. It told me it was about to start, and then it never started, and I didn't realize I wasn't on the phone anymore. You're trying to tell me that there was a glitch with Blog Talk Radio? I find that hard to believe. I was like, yes. Yeah, first glitch ever. Blog Talk Radio messed up for the first time ever. Blog Talk Radio, definitely my favorite podcast blog talk website. And also the only one that I know of, um, as far as a platform is concerned. Anyway, we, uh, we're going to start with some Celtic stuff, but I want to put you on the spot and uh, ask you how you feel about the New England Patriots now, after they had a uh, roller coaster of a game, I would say. They had some very high highs and some strange things happen on special teams that hurt them last night. So before we get into the actual topics, I just wanted to ask you how you felt about the Patriots because I told you a couple of weeks ago, one of the local radio show hosts here in the morning has been predicting Giants Patriots for the past couple of weeks. And uh, both teams look pretty good this weekend. So I'm going to lead there, even though you didn't know. Yeah, it's funny. I was considering uh, doing a sort of uh, top three you know what you what you thought of the NFL standing, so maybe we can we can just quickly expand it into that. Um, it's just how you sort of see the state of the league going in the in the NFC and the AFC. I think Patriots look fine. I mean, yeah, they made some special teams mistakes, but to my mind, they had that team in hands the entire time. Uh, I don't think too much of Baltimore, and like a lot of people, I I tend to think that their offense is pretty mediocre and their defense. You know their running defense. Their run defense is pretty good, but their their pass defense is not amazing. And I, yeah. So I think the Patriots did what I would expect them to do, and I would feel pretty good if I'm a Patriots fan. I think you still have concerns with your defense, right? But it's not going to show up against. Yeah, I still have. I still have some concerns, but you know what? The two, or at least one of the players that they picked to replace Jamie Collins showed up in a big way, blocking that field goal. Uh, yesterday, Shane McClellan. So good for him with the with jumping the line and all that. They practiced that. That's the the old cliche from Bill Belichick. Well, yeah, we practiced that all week, blah, blah, blah. Uh, regardless of how many times they practiced it or not, they executed it well in the game, and you have to give them props for that. They played well yesterday. I'm happy about it. But the defense still um, has, has to prove something here. That was a great game by them. They played well as a unit. A uh, above-average quarterback, probably the best quarterback that they've seen so far this year. Or not, I I shouldn't say that because they've seen they've seen Russell Wilson Wilson as well. But I I will say that Joe Flacco is the best quarterback that they have beaten so far this year, and uh, that is something to be said because they have not looked that great against the above-average quarterbacks that they've faced. 
you're really giving Flacco a lot of credit. I mean, he's been significantly below average as a quarterback this year. I was hurt this last year. year. This year. year, but in general, he's he's good, and he has been known to to beat the Patriots. So, uh, I I I think it's the best win against a, a quarterback that they've had this year. Wow. Oh, because uh, Roethlisberger was out when they played the Steelers, right? That, that is correct. Wow, and what? that and that is also why the Steelers are the team that that worries me in the in the AFC. It's them. If they can get things going and find a way to meet the Patriots, regardless of where they play, I would be concerned if I was a Patriots fan playing the Steelers in the playoffs. I'm looking at the Patriots' schedule right now. You guys have played just just a platter of crap, just a load oh, yeah. of garbage. Absolutely. Holy, holy cow. So I'm like, who's now? Now I know who is uh, next after. I don't know. You can make an argument that Tannehill might be the next guy on this list, and he might be he might be better than Flacco this year. After that, what what are we what are we looking at next? Tyrod Taylor, I guess. Andy uh-huh. Dalton, Andy Dalton, I guess. Andy Dalton, I guess. It's not pretty, Calvin. And then going and then going forward, look at their schedule in the next few games. Who who are they going to get? It's it's uh, not going to be a very impressive list of quarterbacks that the Patriots have faced this year. Because I mean, they're they're getting Bryce Petty, so that, and that should be fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. So not even Tannehill again. Yeah, not even Tannehill yeah. again. So. With Denver, uh, the Jets, and Miami on the Patriots' schedule to round things out, their their toughest quarterback win is is going to be Joe Flacco in my mind. And that's all there is to it. So th- my point is, my point is that the defense still to to me has not really been tested. So it's you're basically throwing them into the fire in the playoffs. I think you just inadvertently talked me out of. Uh, considering Tom Brady for MVP. Anyway, so who's scared of you? That's what I want to know. Who in the it's AFC Pittsburgh. are you afraid of? Yeah, it's Pittsburgh. That's it. I mean, I'm not I'm not too concerned with Oakland because I think that the offense will just pick apart Jack Del Rio, and I'm not I don't worry about them going up up against any sort of Del Rio defense. They've proven that they can beat th- that type of a team in the past. And while I, I'm concerned about a team that they would have to get into, sh- into a shootout with, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't think Oakland really has the prowess on offense to, to really keep up with Tom Brady. So I, uh, I I wouldn't be too worried about the Raiders. But, yeah, to me, the Pittsburgh Steelers are, again, I said this a couple weeks ago, even when Roethlisberger was out, if they get things rolling here, they're the type of team that is going to come in here to New England and carve up the Patriots' defense and you're going to have to just hope that Tom Brady can keep up. What about Kansas City? Because a lot of people are talking up Kansas City, who I think is, would be a good team against some teams. I just I don't like that matchup for the Chiefs at all going against the Patriots. I, I sort of feel like the, the Patriots do what the Chiefs do better, which is sort of like kick and dunk down the field. I don't know. I just wouldn't. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about the the Patriots' chances against the Chiefs. I think uh, that, again, it comes back to the quarterback, and the Patriots have shown that they can beat mediocre quarterbacks. And to me, that's what Alex Smith is. So 
they would, again, be playing a similar game, and the Patriots are the masters of that type of offense. So Kansas City would really have to pull some tricks on Bill Belichick in order to lose that one because I just don't see the Patriots being ill-prepared for a matchup against the Chiefs. It, it just doesn't seem to happen. Something happens when they play teams like Baltimore, like Pittsburgh. The teams in that in that central division there, that's that's a tough spot for the, for the Patriots for whatever reason. Those are always grinded out types of types of games. And even though last night the Patriots seemed to control that game, there were some fluky things that happened, and it, it always turns out to be an interesting situ- situation towards the end. So you never know what's going to happen with a game like that. And Pittsburgh definitely concerns me. I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about anybody else though. All right. Well, what about in the NFC? Who looks who looks good to you over there? Blank. I don't know, man. I, I don't know, man. You tell me. Like uh, Dallas. I don't know. Dak threw up on himself, right? People are touting touting Detroit a little bit. I guess Seattle is the pick because they've been there before. But honestly, I am. If I had to put a bet on someone and look for the best odds, I'd probably be hooking my horse. Hooking my wagon to uh, your Giants there, Calvin. Not to jinx them or anything, but they they too, as players, have been there before. I think Eli is, a, is actually turning out to be a, a better leader than a lot of people thought he, he was. And I don't know. You watch him more than I do. They they seem to be, again, doing what the Giants do or and did best under Tom Coughlin, just finding a way to win. The Giants, I'd be curious to see what they look like. Uh, in a week or two. They lost Shane Vereen in, in week three uh, this season. Last season, he was sort of uh, their second leading receiver, and Eli threw to him all the time. And he looked really good in the first couple of games, and then he was out with a torn bicep all season. So it's not a leg problem. He came back uh, in this last game and immediately got a, he got a 10-yard gain uh, against the Cowboys and then immediately got a concussion and was out for the entire game. So our offenses look like garbage, but I I still sort of have the feeling that it's going to be a lot better with Vereen because Channing's is just really bad sort of catching dump-off passes. And reads better at getting through small holes. So, um, I remain to be convinced if the, if the offense is good enough. Giants' defense is definitely good enough. So yeah, I, I would still lean towards Seattle. But bro, I don't know if you like saw it. I actually didn't see it. But Russell Wilson's my fantasy quarterback, and he threw five interceptions this weekend. I don't bad. know. <laughs> what, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him. Where like Seattle will look dominant one week. And then they're like their defense hasn't been playing as well, uh, especially since Paul Thomas went down. They still seem to be the team that has the most on offense and defense. But I think a lot of it depends on matchups. Like the Cowboys, sort of their, their defense has sort of been inflated by the fact that they are, are so good at ball control. If you look at like def, uh, you know defensive stance per play, their their defense is pretty bad but their, their offense sort of protects their defense that way. I think if they play a team that can stop the run uh, pretty well, it's going to be difficult. But if a team can't stop the run, then they'll probably dominate that team. So, And then you have a team like – I feel like I'm sort of afraid of Green Bay if they get in. I'm not sure if they will, but the way, they're, the way they're throwing it right now, and Aaron Rodgers kind of back to being Aaron Rodgers, I think that they're sort of the NFC's Pittsburgh. Where like, well. His his uh, his hamstring flared up this weekend. We'll have to see how they handle that. But 
Uh, I'm with you on that one. That's that's always a team that's if they make the playoffs, they they have to scare other teams because they've they've been a winning franchise for a long time and they have a top level quarterback to lead the way. So uh, you got to look out for Green Bay as well. But I, I don't know. I, if I were looking for odds, I'd probably want to see what the Giants were, and I'd, I'd throw the money their way. That's what I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Nice. Should we just keep right. going with football then? Maybe back to basketball. I was going to say let's get back to football in a while, but we might as well just knock it all out, one one and done here at the beginning of the show. And if you want to talk some NBA, uh, come back in ten minutes. But you should just listen to this anyway because it's going to be great. Because I'm going to jump this one, and because I, I honestly I don't care about the Cowboys, but I think it's absolutely interesting that a man could have signed a two-year extension and then been fired eight days later. Jeff Fisher, a man of the people, Calvin. Everybody loves Jeff Fisher. A lovable loser, right? Am I wrong about this? Probably. Am I being sarcastic? Maybe a little bit. But as a, as a man who just really enjoys a clown show and watching that from afar – when it's even when it's your the team you root for, Bobby Valentine, Boston Red Sox. I loved that. That was a that was a total circus, and I knew what it was going to be going in. And I just I thought it was so fun from a from a media standpoint, if you want to call me that, and just just looking at that from afar. And I just thought he was the biggest joke. And the the, the organization, while uh, unfortunate that they put themselves in this position they had it coming and they deserved it. And it was just totally outrageous. I feel the same way about Jeff Fisher watching him from afar to me is just gold just about every time. So I hope he lands somewhere else, but that just seems to be a total cluster out there uh, in Los Angeles. What, what's going on out there? What's in the, what's in the water? What's in the air? Yeah. You, you said two days, but I, I think in reality it was about 10 days. We talked about this last week. Eight, eight, uh, I said eight days. Oh, eight days. Okay. Uh, eight, yeah, eight sounds about right. Yeah, he got a two-year extension. Okay, and uh, and then he was fired. Uh, what? Two, basically, two games later, right? He got he got fired. There was a game right after he got the extension, and then there was a game this last Sunday, and then he was fired. So there's a sort of conspiracy theory out there that well, there's two theories out there. One is that the, the contract extension was a sort of reward for Jeff Fisher, uh, you know, sticking through this hard transition of the team moving to Los Angeles and being a steady influence on them, knowing like they weren't necessarily going to win, that the team was going to be in turmoil. But like Fisher sort of remained the consistent presence, especially like while they're drafting the number one draft pick and develop, developing him rather, knowing that the you know, the team wasn't going to be that good this year probably, and giving him the contract extension was a, a reward for that, uh, even though the team had no in, intention of bringing him back at the time. Okay? Theory number two is they did have an intention of bringing him back at the time, but the, the team didn't realize the extent to which uh, fans and, and, you know, media hated Jeff Fisher and the fact that bringing him back was going to be untenable and then it just became even louder after the subsequent two losses. And thus, the, you know, the team sort of walked it back. Or they didn't walk it back because he's still getting paid on that two-year contract extension. Uh, but they, they walked back the decision. Theory number three is 
that Jeff Fisher like knows a lot of inside dirt on uh, what was it Caston who owns the Rams? I can't even remember right now. Uh, I think it's Caston. Caston owning the Rams in in like that sort of the, the shady shenanigans that he had to pull in order to, to get the team uh, pushed through you know the NFL ownership vote to get them to Los Angeles. And Jeff Fisher was sort of involved in a lot of the glad, glad handing, and that if he wanted to. He could come out and say a lot of shady things about Rams ownership. So in order to shut them up, in order to shut him up, they're paying him this contract right now. Uh, I, I kind of, I kind of love all of these theories, for, but obviously the the most conspiracy of them all is, is the last one there. Um, I, 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 I feel like they all could be playing a part in this. I just, yeah, I. Yeah, I agree. He's not a agree he's not a great he's not a great coach, and uh, they all kind of make sense. So, sure, they they paid him off because he went through the transition. Fine, he has taken uh, a couple of teams to the playoffs before, so maybe they think he could have done something over the next two years, and they wanted to reward him that way as well. Fair enough. If he knows something, if if he has some dirt, then that's just I guess the way that the NFL sort of runs right um and i don't really know what uh what what more to say about it he's not he's not a great coach but i i just i hope he lands somewhere else do you think that he will land somewhere else because honestly if he doesn't break that record for most losses that's going to be a, a a sad blemish on his on his record he should be the the only man with the most losses in the nfl well, that, that's Not my tied. favorite thing about it is, is the, fact, the fact that he's now tied for uh, having the most losses of, of all time in, in NFL history. Because now people are saying that he can't even win at that. And I, I find that to be, like, just such a great tribute to Jeff Fisher that he can't even win at losing. But, no, I don't think that he'll get another job. It's hard to justify giving him another job because it's clear that the game has passed him by. Uh, this goth fiasco is just going to hang over him wherever he goes. Uh, uh, you know, deciding not to play him because he, he quote, wasn't ready until the end of the season. Even though you, you could argue if, if he wasn't ready, you know, maybe some of that should fall on the GM or, or the, the management should have been – management slash ownership should have been pressuring Jeff Fisher this entire time to uh, start Goff. Or instead of just being completely hands off and them wasting the entire season that was a lost cause anyway. But all of that is going to fall heavy on, on Jeff Fisher, and it's going to be hard for him to get another job in another place, regardless of you know what ends up happening with Goff. Even if he turns into a fantastic pro, that's not going to be for another year or two. The, the perception is already that the game has passed Jeff Fisher by. Like who's gonna what you know name a team that's gonna have a, a job opening, and then trying to sell that team to me on like the potential for for grabbing him? I just don't see it. You know what I mean? Who who are we talking about? Like the Niners? Could Chip Kelly be let go after one year? I don't know. I mean, it's gonna I be mean, another terrible team, right? Cleveland? I mean, what's Cleveland's coach situation? I don't even know. Does Jacksonville need to change things up again? I mean, I don't. Maybe he could, maybe he could stay in. Maybe he could stay in Los Angeles, and San Diego will pick him up when they move up there. 
that's just hypothetical, obviously. But I, I don't know. I think there are options out there for him, and you'd be surprised uh, how many franchises would uh, might even consider him as a as a coach because he has been around a while, and you never know. I mean, it, it, the fact of the matter is he does he, he doesn't get handed the best players. So if there is a situation where he can find a, a way to to coach a team that might have a couple of decent players. Do the Bears need a new coach? Like, what is going on here? There are always bad teams in the NFL, and I just I feel like there are more firings than you expect every year. So don't be surprised if Jeff Fisher is back again, Calvin. That's all I'm saying. All right. Fair enough. But I don't believe you. I don't think he'll be back at all. But we'll see. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve it, but I just I feel like someone will take a flyer on him and, and see what, what's going on with that. But we'll see. Maybe not. Maybe he maybe he got that deal and he's done and he doesn't and that's part of it and he doesn't care anymore and he's just going to retire. If that happens, Roy, I'll give you a hearty pat on the back and say congratulations. You were right. And once again, I was wrong. I'm careless. Wow, with that that will mean we actually have to meet if you're going to shake my hand and pat me on the back. How is that possible? I'll just do that stuff metaphorically. I see. Um, Nobody actually will on the back, right? What's that? Nobody like wants a literal pat on the back, right? Do you like do you like when people pat your back? I don't you know. Back, back like that? I guess it depends on what the situation. I'm just saying, if you if let's say you're standing there, right, and and somebody you know walks up to you and pats your back, do you feel good, or are you like, what's going on here? Oh, it's better than a pat on the head. I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Same. Backpats are overrated. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Um, you know who else might be overrated? Sure. Uh, Dak Prescott. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I believe that because honestly, I haven't really been paying that much attention, and I definitely didn't see the game the other night. But uh, apparently, he did not look very good, and of course, the Romo talk has started because all accounts are that Romo looks good in practice and that he would be ready to go if necessary. Um, And uh, Jerry Jones, he actually won't commit to one or the other. And he's not even saying that it's Jason Garrett's job anymore. He's just, he's just saying that he, you'll wait and you're just gonna have to wait and see basically. Yeah, right. Here's the thing. This, this story for me, look, it's, it's not going to be about should the Cowboys start Tony Romo. It, this is the story to me is the media is annoying. Okay, we're going to get we're going to get back to the same thread when we talk uh, about the Celtics in a few minutes. But yeah, this is where I'm going here. The media is super annoying because for for weeks and months, okay, the you know they they had this debate what Tony Romo was injured about whether or not. Uh, you know, what the Cowboys should do when Tony Romo comes back, should he start? And the argument was like, no, there's no way that he could start over Dak Prescott. And I always sort of made the counter-argument that, you know, the things that, that uh, Dak Prescott was, was was doing were impressive, but on the other hand, he was sort of functioning in a limited offense where they protected what he did. They had a big offensive line. He did not really throw down field very much, and that Romo would be able to do things that Prescott couldn't do while at the same time opening them up for, you know, risk of turnovers and problems that Dak didn't create. 
but the Cowboys kept winning and winning, and the, the arguments that I made sort of, you know, it, it became irrelevant because Dak won enough for that to, to be irrelevant, right? Well, guess what? The Cowboys are still 11-2, and two, right? Are, are they 11-2? and two? Check, check the facts. Fact check me. Yes, they're 11-2. Yes. You don't need to check Yes. Facts. They actually, Calvin, uh, believe it or not, they are the only team in the NFL to have clinched a playoff berth right now. How about that? Yeah. That's awesome. They're still they're still eleven and two, right? They they have two losses. Would Tony Momo right now be eleven and two? Maybe. But he probably wouldn't be twelve and one, right? Probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be much better than this. You can't be too much better than this. So Dak Prescott had two bad weeks in a row. Guess what? He played against two awesome defenses. Even in the even in the game against Minnesota, he still played pretty well. He just had a hard time throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, he had one he had really just this bad game. And people are like pooping all over him and ready to turn back to Roma. I thought they should have turned back to Romo anyway, but at this point, that, that's beside the point. They decided to stick with Prescott. Do you think it's good for your team and for morale to just constantly throw your quarterback under the bus? Like to have two guys and be like, well, I don't know which one we're going to. Like, do, you, do you think that's good philosophically for your team? This team has rallied behind that. No, I would say probably out. not. Yeah. yeah pro- probably not. Well, pick one. Two. And make yeah. it the guy that has already been playing and just go with it. And they've already picked one. That's the thing. Like, you had an opportunity when Romo came back. If you wanted to put him back in the game, you could have made the argument, well, you know, Romo's healthy. He's our starter. The old adage, well, you don't you lose your starter to injury. You could have done that, you know, in week eight or whatever when he came back. Now it's too late to do that. You can't do that without undermining Dak Prescott. Why is Prescott going to want to stay in Dallas or, uh, you know, feel like he's involved in the team or, or that he's important? If he loses his job at 11-2 and two after one bad game, you don't think teammates are going to stand up for him there? You don't think you're going to create a divided locker room where people are going to have to sort of pick between who they want between these two guys? What happens if Romo comes out next week and has one bad game? What do you, what do you think the calls are immediately going to be for, for Dak Prescott to come back in there? All of a sudden, you're, you're creating a controversy. You're creating a dicey situation. And, like, the, the media, it's just, like, you guys are idiots. You're rabid dogs, like, just pushing so hard for this guy to lose his job. When, again, a couple of weeks ago, you were so adamant that, hey, he couldn't possibly lose his job. He's still, he's still a winner. If, if the, the Cowboys lost four in a row, then we could have this conversation. But I don't understand how we can have this conversation now. It's so premature, Rory. Every quarterback has a bad game. Every single one. Yes, you're right. Every, everyone does. And he should be given a chance to bounce back. But the, the fact of the matter is that there's a longstanding Pro Bowl caliber quarterback uh, that everybody loves waiting in the wings and supposedly can still get it done. So that's that's where the dilemma is for the Cowboys, and that's why they need to sort of figure this out. And uh, good luck to, to Prescott, and good luck to the uh, the organization for fending off the dogs if he has another bad game this week, because that is going to be something that people will really start piling on and uh, say – we need to uh, see Romo out there, but either way, this is this is the guy of the future for them, or it should be. Because, like you said, why would he want to stay here if if they bring Romo back, or they um, even hint that they're going to want to bring Romo back at this point? Pres- Prescott is, should be their focus going forward. Because Tony, Tony Romo, especially as injury prone as he is, 
is not going to be playing very much longer and uh, they shouldn't rely on him. So just go with it. Just own it, Jerry Jones. Please. Really, the most interesting thing to me that could happen is the Cowboys put Romo back in. He plays well. The the Cowboys uh, go to the playoffs and then Romo does like one of those catastrophic Romo things in the playoffs and cost the Cowboys the game. Then where do they go for the next season? Do they go back to like the Romo who's clearly healthy and playing well, or do they try to go back to Prescott again after they burned him? That story would be endlessly fascinating to me. Well, let's hope something like that happens. Because nobody wants the Cowboys to win. Nobody yeah. wants the Cowboys to win. Anyway. Yeah, you know who um, else nobody wants to win? Who? You tell me. The NFL, right? The NFL, NFL that's right. Yeah, I do like that segue. Yeah. So, apparently, after the Giants-Steelers game last week, uh, the Giants uh, complained to the NFL that some of the balls were deflated. So... The NFL. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Can you believe there might have been some balls that were underinflated in a very cold game? I don't think that this has ever happened before. This is certainly something that I don't know how unprecedented. How would how does how would the NFL deal with this? They should probably suspend somebody. Yeah, Jay Glazer reported that that the, the uh, Giants tested two Pittsburgh footballs after after the turnovers, and they found that they were under. Yeah, the, the league mandated PSI. So the NFL quickly came out after the game and uh, refuted Jay Glazer's report saying that the Giants never filed uh, an official complaint with him and that there was no actual deflate tape scenario. But typical then typical double- NFL yeah. sweeping it under, under the rug, you know? They don't, they don't want to – they don't care about uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the way he likes his balls, but when Tom Brady does it. It's a big deal. Well, Glazer then doubled back and said, yes, uh, the Giants did not file a formal complaint, but they did inform the league uh, about some deflated balls, and the league sort of chose to do nothing about it. I, I need your thoughts on this, Ray. I, I hate it. I can't stand it. It's, it's totally hypocritical. I mean, the, the, the way that the league operates – some things need a paper trail. Some things don't. We're going to track the PSI this year, but next year we're not. Some games we're going to make sure just so protocol is it's, it's being followed, but sometimes we're not. It's like they just pick and choose their battles, and this seems to be one that they're just going to try and sweep under the rug. Now, it, it's possible that they saw the backlash to the first deflate gate and then said – you know what? We handled we mishandled that one. We're going to handle it differently going forward and Tom Brady was just the unlucky guy that had to deal with it the for, for, for the first time. And now cuz that's what the NFL does, right? They react to the reaction and that's how they they proceed going forward. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit to hear that uh somebody in the NFL office has said, "You know what? That that Brady one didn't work so well. Why don't we just uh not care about this one and see what happens this way. Yeah. I, I wonder if it, it was that or does the league like not want attention to be brought to the fact that, you know, weather can affect balls when clearly like it could be or, you know, 
or is it that the league doesn't want to open themselves up to these, you know, a constant stream of Deflategate uh, investigations because, you know, again, whether it affects the PSI of balls, and then if teams constantly complain to the NFL about it, then the NFL has to either, you know, punish all of them in the, the interest of, like, seeming fair, although you could argue that, like, you know, saying that the Steelers deflated balls is a little different than, than – arguing that Ben Roethlisberger specifically deflated balls, right? So it'd be hard and you you could be like, okay, well I'm gonna sure. suspend just I'm gonna suspend the, the Steelers equipment manager, you know, for example, and nobody would really care, right? So I, I think that there's a uh, there's still a, a Right, but where does where does it where so how do you how can you not draw the line to Tom Brady then? Because there was no indication that Brady was was involved until they started digging. So why wouldn't you go and dig to see if Ben Roethlisberger was involved? Because he ultimately is the quarterback. So obviously he's the one that won the balls that way. That's that's what how that's how their investigation investigation on Brady started in the first place. Well, yeah, you could start digging, but that doesn't necessarily mean that even for example that Roethlisberger and his equipment manager even have a, a texting relationship. You know, they even have something. Oh, that's that the fine. Could... But they should at least open it up. You know, like that's at least say we're going to look into this instead of just ignoring it. So, so should so if this started happening though, is that really what you want? I, I know you know you would argue for the turnabout is fair play or whatever, and it say yeah that Deflategate was basically two years of you having to deal with annoying garbage, and I and I understand that and on you know. On the the idea of principle, I get what you're saying, and yes, yeah, they probably should, uh, you know, investigate all these claims. But like, would you really want just a flood of of constant news about, you know, now the NFL is investigating this team for uh, potential ball deflation, and now we're, now we're dealing with this situation? Like, is that in practical do, terms do what you, you want? Do you want to see replays every? three minutes in a game and have them check every single scoring play and go back and review and review and add time onto games. I mean, this is essentially the same thing, obviously two vastly different subjects, but the NFL seems to be consistent in some areas and inconsistent in others. I just want them to be consistent across the board. And this is one of them. If they're going to open up investigations on Tom Brady, then they should do it on, on any other quarterback that is involved in a, in a complaint like this. That's, yeah, that's fair. I think maybe if, you know you know the answer probably should be if you're if you're the NFL, just just hire a PSI official who's there during the game and making sure the balls are inflated. I like I don't understand why that's so hard. They don't want to pay another guy. You know, so many people get paid. If you had a guy who was just there on the sidelines, Steelers hand the ball, he he checks the balls, and then you know when the other team you know. You know, whether it causes the, ball, the the PSI to go down, he just makes sure the ball stay inflated. That wouldn't be too hard, right? Considering the considering what's happening here with you know this Deflategate two situation and the potential for a Deflategate three, four, five, however however many Deflategates are coming our way in the future, isn't isn't that the, the simplest, easiest solution where the, you know nobody could complain about it after that? And if if the ball is worn inflated. It, you know, it wouldn't be the Steelers' fault. It would be the the PSI guy's fault, and that guy would be held accountable. You would seem to think that that would be easy, but then that would mean that an NFL employee would be held accountable for something, and I, you, we all know that they don't want that. 
yeah, I, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I think that the NFL, I, I, you know, officials are accountable, right? They're NFL employees. They make a mistake, and the NFL will come out and say an official made a mistake, and everyone will just be like, well, there's, there's nothing we can do about it. But I think that's that's different than being well, – right. There's nothing we can do about the, it, exactly. Yeah. Once you hold a team accountable for anything, then it feels more like it feels more corrupt because then it's like a, a team has a a winning interest in mind where the NFL at least has the the appearance of impartiality. And when a mistake, you know, when a PSI mistake, for example, is made by the NFL's PSI guy as opposed to the Steelers' PSI guy, it's like. Yeah, well, that was just it. We go back to the same thing. Oh, that was just unintentional. When the when the Steelers PSI guy messes it up, you go, oh well, you know, maybe Ben Roethlisberger likes his balls a little flatter. Um, I, the bottom line is they they need to be consistent in whatever they do. That's that's all I'm asking for, Calvin. That's all I've ever asked for with these guys. And it doesn't. Right. It just it doesn't work for them. It the, the NFL is wildly inconsistent. They're hypocritical, and they just they they they. I, things like this just make me not even want to watch anymore. And I I, I know I'm a, I'm an extreme case. Most people are are just going to gloss right over it and not change their habits of watching the NFL. But I I only watched maybe. I don't know, a full half of football on Sunday when the Patriots weren't playing. So I, outside of the Patriots, my interest is pretty much zero at this point. And this doesn't help. Yeah, it, it becomes hard to do a sports cut podcast with you, right? Cause you, you know, just, I hate the NFL. I, I, hate I the know, NFL. man. I love to hate the NFL, cool. I guess. We can talk about how much I hate them all the time. I would do that. Well, you, you should do that. You just embrace gambling. You'll come, you'll come around in the NFL. <laughs> uh, we'd have to wait and see yeah, on that sure, one. So sure. um, I'm being told that our next segment is almost ready because it's, we don't want it to be too lame. So I don't know how okay. you feel about in, that. In that case, well, maybe, maybe we'll just go to uh, – one of our quicker stories. Fair let's, enough. Let's talk about this. And, and we'll end the show with the NBA. That sounds good. Go for it. Yeah, let's talk about this Wake Forest announcer. Have you heard about the story, Ray? No, not until you told me about it. So, apparently, uh, Wake Forest has an announcer. His name is Tommy Elrod. He was a former player uh, at Wake Forest, then an assistant coach for 11 years uh, until 2014. And at which time he was sort of let go after they replaced their head coach with a current coach who didn't retain him. So he moved over to the broadcasting side. But still, you know, as an announcer, uh, spent a lot of time in the locker room, had a lot of relationships built in with the team. So he was given access to the team, uh, given access to their playbook. And apparently, uh, starting in 2014, he's he's been uh, – contacting other teams that were playing Wake Forest and offering uh, to provide them with, you know, uh, potential plays that they were going to run, just all sorts of game materials, their playbook. And he was caught 
when uh, documents were discovered inside the stadium that uh, for inside the opponent's locker room that were plays that uh, the team hadn't run yet that season. And so Louisville was like, uh, I'm sorry, Wake Forest was like, how could they have known about these plays? Um, it, that's, I mean, this, that sounds pretty sketchy. Why would he be doing that if he is a former player? And I mean, it, does, was he out to get the uh, the university? I just, I don't understand. There's no reason to be providing that to anybody else if you're still, especially if you're still working for the organization, or in this case, the the, the school. And you I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's. Uh, I think he deserves to uh, at least be reprimanded and and punished. If, and if, if not that, then lose his job. That's that's fine. If they want to do that, which they did, I, I, see, I, I feel like this is a violation of some sort of, or could be a violation of some sort of university code uh, as far as non-disclosure is concerned. Because I, I know that there are certain situations that happen in, in the corporate world where you're not allowed to mention anything, even if you're the lowest level employee in the organization, you're not allowed to mention specific details of certain things. If, even in public companies, things like that, there, there are certain non-disclosure agreements that are, are made. And maybe there was something like that uh, in this Wake Forest situation. Well, he's already been fired. And apparently like in that game, they got blown out and it, there were lots of game plays where it seemed like uh, Louisville knew exactly what Wake Forest was going to do. Not that they wouldn't be Wake Forest anyway, but um, yeah, this to me it definitely sounds like you know coaching is not the same as uh, I'm sorry, announcing is not the same as coaching. Like you're not quite as close to being on the field. Like I have to think maybe he had a grudge with the you know the coach that decided not to retain him. Or maybe he's just hard up for money for some reason. But it, it definitely, like, it makes – I wonder if this is going to affect um, similar situations in universities across the country or maybe even at the pro level where guys are given – maybe not as much at the pro level because I'm sure guys are not given the same sort of access they might be given at a university level where there's a sort of uh, camaraderie that doesn't exist on that other level. But – yeah, I, I wonder if teams are going to be way more careful about their plays. Like, is this going to have an, a legitimate ripple effect on how people are treated? But it's just like, what kind of person is, is you know, treated well by the school after he's let go, given an announcing job? Um, you know, he gets this access that other people don't get. He gets treated well by, the, by his own university. And while he's just stabbing them in the back the entire time, like, how much could you he, he really be getting from other schools anyway to hand out these plays? Especially like it's not like you're handing out Nick Saban's plays. You know what I mean? You're handing out Wake Forest plays to teams that are largely better than Wake Forest anyway. Yeah, and Wake Forest is such a, a weak school as far as college football is concerned anyway that it, it just it seems like there's got to be something bigger going on here within this guy's head or something that he's out to get them in, in some way. So he's been caught. They will probably be better off for it, and uh, they can move on with their lives, just like we will do right now as our next segment is ready. Let's do it. And um, we're hoping that it's not terrible, basically. So may, th- this could be the best part of the segment. And I don't want to 
these days, I, I think I'll probably just get a new Goo Goo Dolls song and throw that up there for you, Liz, because I know how much you love them. But um, no pressure here. Let's let's make let's make the segment better than Iris. Okay. <laughs> no, it already is. It already is. Everything's better than Iris. Um, I'm not gonna lie, guys. This segment's pretty terrible, <laughs> and it's not gonna beat next uh, last week. Okay. You ready? But will it be yep. better than Iris? I'm, while you talk to, talk to us, I'm going to go see how many times Iris has been downloaded in 2016, because that's got to be a huge number. People love this in song. 2016? I don't, I don't know about that. Um, all right, so here's the game. Um, I've named this game Know Your Johnson. Okay, ready? You have four choices. Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock. Amy mm-hmm. Jo Johnson. You know who she is? I don't is? know who that is. Who's that? Great. Don Johnson. Don't. Calvin, you're playing against Rory. <laughs> oh, I, against. I, 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 thought, I thought it was this was a Twitter game. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don, Don Johnson. Johnson. And Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson? Uh, yeah. Yep, can't tell you who he is. He's a guy. Okay, fine. Do you know any? Do you know not any of Jack these Johnson? Johnson? Jake Johnson, no. not Jack Johnson. You know what the thing is about this Jake Johnson no. character? I could even Google him, and I'm still not going to know who the hell he is. Yeah, you will. You can't Google nope. him. I don't think so. You can't Google him. Well, I can. Well, I feel like I can tell you what like what his main thing is because it's not part of the game. You can't. Yeah, I can because you you said Power Rangers so. Um, he's from the, uh, the thing is, Liz, I didn't hear him say Power Rangers, but you, I heard you say Power Rangers. Great. Great. This is ruined. <laughs> okay. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to name a movie or a TV show and you have to tell me which Johnson was from that movie or TV show. Okay. Okay. How, okay. Right. How are we doing? How, how are we doing this? Are we both yelling it out? Are we alternating? What are we doing? No, I mean, I guess, I guess you guys could be, like, on a team. And, and, and no. I play against Ray, because I'm, I'm definitely going to win this game. We're not going to win a team. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, but how do yes. so, can we take turns? What do you think? Yeah, let's go. Come on. First one. Calvin's first. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World, the Jake. Oh. Good. You're not Googling, right? No Googles. Do you think that I could Google that fast? Is, well, I That's mean, I not can. fair. That's not fair. I would have gotten that one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay. who was it? Don Johnson? That's another one you said? Don Johnson? Yep. Like from... You got okay. Don Johnson, Jake Johnson, Amy Jo Johnson, and Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Yep. All right. Jim <sighs> and the Holograms. Excuse me? Gem and the hologram. Next. <laughs> you don't have a guess. You have four. You have four choices. You have a twenty. I don't even know what that is. It's a it's a movie. It's a remake of an eighties cartoon that I used to watch that I love. You still got a guess. Don Johnson. It is not Don Johnson. Calvin, do you have a guess? 
Oh, I can steal. Steal me next, because I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to guess on this one. Yeah, I mean, why not? Do you know? Wait, what are my captions again? <laughs> Amy Joe Johnson, Don Johnson, Jake Johnson, Dwayne Johnson. I'm gonna say Amy Joe. You are also incorrect, both of you. It was The Rock. He was in it. Listen, vacation. Go on to the next one. No, I'm I'm fine with this. Go on. Okay, okay. All right, great, great, great. Um, look, all right. Let me let you. I don't know whose turn it is. Calvin? Yeah. It doesn't matter what the game is if I'm winning. So you know. Oh, come on. What is this? He's getting all the easy ones. I didn't hear what you said. What? What? Miami Vice. Oh, I think you said Bookie Nights. Uh, Don Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it's Don Johnson. This is um, BS. Okay. You ready? The two story. Felicity. Felicity? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? What is this? I don't even... Felicity is Amy Joe Johnson. Johnson. Yes. Yeah, that All was right. easy yeah. one. You complained, you complained yeah, but that was obvious. Okay. That was obvious. Why? Because she's a play. woman. Yeah, exactly. All right. Is that dude Felicity? She played Felicity. <laughs> Dudes in Felicity. All right, you ready? Because I'm pissed off for greatness. Yeah, give it to me. All right. The mummy. The mummy. Uh, did, you, did you just look at the top of their IMDb or something? No. Could you, could you make this no. a little harder? You're wrong. Top- Yes, yeah, because not, the mummy, the mummy came out last week. He was not in the mummy. He was in the mummy too. Sorry, you, he was in the Scorpion guess? King. Um, who was Don Johnson? No, <laughs> it was Jake Johnson. There was, was a newer one. Of course. All right. Uh, are, you are, you ta- are you talking about the unreleased mummy starring Tom Cruise? No. What? Okay. It came There's out like a couple years ago. There's a new mummy movie starting Fox series. No, different one. All right. Okay. Um, who's turning it? Is it where you're starting to go first? I guess it's mine. No, no, no it's mine. What? Is it? I feel like you. What's the score? Two to one? I don't know. It's uh, two to I'm two. Just two. Down. Yeah, it's two to one. Two to one. Two to one. All right, two. Calvin, you ready? You. Yeah. Two to one, you. Calvin. Oh man, not many good choices left. Uh, okay, the Mummy Returns. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> good, goodness. Wait, uh, it, like not goodness. Not... Goodness. Liz. Yeah, <laughs> what, what have you done here? You have hijacked okay. ten minutes of our of our precious right, podcast. Really? You urinated all over it. You ready? You ready? Nash Bridges. (laughs) Don Johnson. Yeah, you got it. Thank you for giving me a Don Johnson. How do you know Nash Bridges? How do I know Nash Bridges? Because I've seen commercials for it many times in my youth. Yeah. Yeah. 
I used to watch MacGyver. Nice, fair enough. All right. Well, very okay. happy. And also, uh, not only Nash Bridges, but Bow Bridges. Huh? Do you want to talk about famous bridges? What's happening there? I don't know. Why is it doing that? Famous bridges, Bow Bridges. Yeah, that's his brother. Todd Bridges. <laughs> Wait. Wait, are you hijacking my game to make it about a <laughs> word play? <laughs> Let's forget John to run to Bridges. How many times has Irish been downloaded? Oh, what's the answer? Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Damn, this is not this is not going the way it's supposed to. I'm gonna have to play the song again. Uh, no. Nope. How come you can't Google something like that? Google is not as cool as people think it is. Thank you, Liz. Goodbye. Yeah, down with Google. Bye. Down with Google. There she goes. Uh, all right, Calvin. We move on to the NBA. Something that I actually can talk about and feel confident in what I'm talking about for the first time in an hour. How about that? All right. How about that? How about that? Well, people around here, Isaiah Thomas has been injured. He's not playing. The Celtics are losing games. Uh, but supposedly people think that they look better without Isaiah Thomas. That's, that's the media sentiment that is floating, being floated around in Boston right now, Calvin. Can you believe how furious I am with this? Really, here's what the most outrageous thing about it is to me. Okay, so they lose Isaiah Thomas in the Houston game, right? A game in which they lose 107 to 106. <laughs> did not have Isaiah at the end of the game. So that's way, oh no, yeah, did not have Isaiah at the end of the game. Yep. They had a run. Horford missed the layup. Yeah. yeah. Horford missed the layup. That's right. And Marcus Smart missed the layup, right? Yeah. I mean, didn't that two, mm. or was that Bradley? They Smart missed the layup. Yeah. No, Horford, no, Horford missed oh, like, the rebound. Oh, Smart missed the putback or whatever. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was right. a tough shot, though. Yeah. Okay, whatever. So they they lose that game. So then the next game, okay, they play Orlando, the Orlando Magic, the horrible Orlando Magic, and they beat Orlando by 30. And then, after essentially one win, after a loss, without Isaiah Thomas, the Boston media asked the question, is this team better without Isaiah? So this is the problem. This is one specific talk show in general that, for whatever reason, has been catching the, the ire of Celtics fans and Celtics media this year. These guys don't know basketball. I listen to them. I think they put on a great show. I think I've mentioned them on the air here before. They, they do a great show. And for production value, I listen to their show, and I take away things from that, and I, I try to learn from it. And if I ever get a legitimate production studio for the podcast, then we'll put it to use because of some of the things that I've heard on the, on this show, right? So I have the utmost respect for them. But sometimes they are 
just putting up the ultimate straw man, whether they believe it or not, and they just want to ask a question that's going to get people going. And these guys don't even know basketball. Basketball is their is the the, the lowest version of, of their sports talk. They they don't really know what they're talking about. One of them is kind of a fan. The other one hates the Celtics. He grew up in Milwaukee. He was a Bucks fan. He hates Larry Bird. All this stuff. So he's got this hatred towards them, and he doesn't like basketball or the NBA in general. He starts with football, then goes to hockey. He can talk some baseball. And basketball is last on their list at all times. So the point is, they have been, they're, so, they're so big, like they have huge ratings. When they float one of these stupid questions, it catches on, and people start asking about it. And then one of the media members that is in the locker room, we got to get Jared Weiss to cut these guys off of the pass or something. One of the media members will ask Isaiah Thomas about it just because the question's being floated out there. And, and here we go. Now it's, now it's a team thing. It was the same thing with, with Al Horford's baby. It was the same show that put that floated that. And they, the, these guys are getting people riled up about the Celtics this year. And I can't really figure out why, because in years past, it hasn't, they haven't even had nearly the attention that they're, they're bringing to it right now. So I don't how does this I don't understand how this means because we have we have our share of like crazy shows or, or like shows where someone will say an outrageous opinion here, but like that never gets carried over to like the athlete having to answer questions about it. You know what I mean? Isaiah Isaiah seemed to like already know about it when he was asked. His response seemed like he was annoyed. It was like this is a common refrain: Are the Celtics better without Isaiah? I just think I don't even think the question is ridiculous. Although yes, it is ridiculous. It's just more like how are you gonna ask that question after one game? If the Celtics won on a you know, on a you know ten game winning streak, or if they not even not, you know not even that much, if they won significantly more than they did without him, if they went one you know seven out of ten, then you can start having that conversation. I get this is like so, talk radio. The thing they is that it's top. not even it's not even starting from wins for this guy. He 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 had admitted that he was working on a take basically, and that he didn't know how to word it. But now he's starting to say that it's more. It's not that they're better without Isaiah. They're just not as as good as you think they are with him, or something like that. He he's just trying to word it so he can step around the issue. But he's he he successfully riled people up, and it got back to Isaiah. Now people are calling in and agreeing with him. Right, and it, it stemmed not from wins. It stemmed from them believing that the ball moves more when Isaiah's not in the game. And to that, I would say, you're absolutely right. The ball moves more when Isaiah's not in the game because more people need to touch the ball to find a shot that somebody can hit. Because there's not as much talent as far as shooting is concerned when Isaiah is not in the game. So inherently, his his take is is just BS, and it's. It's just him observing something that happens naturally over the course of a basketball game when the guy that shoots better than anybody else is not playing. It's very simple. Well, see, that's the other thing to me, which is like, okay, the ball moves more when Isaiah is not in the game, but it depends on what you mean by the ball moves. The, the, The ball gets passed more when Isaiah is not in the game. 
right? But right. the actual move, but the actual, I, I wouldn't agree that the ball actually moves more uh, when Isaiah's not in the game because Isaiah himself moves the ball better than anyone on the Celtics. To right. Me, well, this is what he's he's being literally literal with the passing, and and that's what he means by the ball moves more, and that's what I think a lot of these people mean by, by the ball moves more because. Uh, it's it's being passed around more. But the bottom line is, with Isaiah in the in the conversation in the lineup, they still are in the top three to five in, in the league in assists. I haven't looked recently, but as little as a couple of weeks ago, they were number two. Right, but my, no, no, I I understand that that's what he means literally. But I'm what I'm saying is what he's not taking into account, and what to me is an issue with this Celtics team is. This team does not have enough ball handling. Isaiah Thomas has to do all the ball handling for this team. When he's in the game, he's the one who's creating those Mm -hmm. perimeter shots that the Celtics love to take more than anyone else. He's the one who takes – he's the one who creates, you know, better open looks for other people because he can triple penetrate. Other guys on this team, Marcus Smart, you know, this is the reason why it's been interesting to me that they've been playing Rozier in uh, in all these you know clutch minutes late in games we've seen without Isaiah in the game because they don't have another guy who can be a point guard basically. Marcus Smart is not he's not quite even. I thought earlier in the season it looked like he was sort of getting his passing touch up, but I still feel like going to the basket. I don't really trust Marcus Smart to you know get in the lane and then find a guy out at the three-point line who's then wide open or even, like, right. you know, consistently find cutters. The way Isaiah Thomas can do that. So, I, I think so, even Rozier... Like, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I just wanted to say quickly, this is still, this is him, and you're absolutely right, because Thomas is the guy that creates the most offense for this team, whether he's passing or he's scoring himself. And yeah, a lot of the time the ball goes through Horford and it looks like a better offense at, at times, and he is probably a more fluid player and more well-rounded player, obviously, than Isaiah Thomas is because Thomas can be a defensive liability. But as far as scoring the basketball and creating offense is concerned, Thomas is the best guy out there. The Celtics, and if this if this guy wants to tell me that the Celtics move the ball better with Isaiah Thomas on the bench, uh, then I would say that he must not be playing that that often because they are second in the league in assists only to the Golden State Warriors. And guess who leads the Celtics in assists? It's Isaiah Thomas, six assists a game. That's not a, a, a ton more than what Al Horford is getting. And Marcus Smart is averaging four assists a game as well. But it's a, a significant enough jump that you can tell who the, just the real ball distributor is on this team. And when he's not out there, it's not as good. I don't care what you say. If they need a stop, sit him down. If they need a score, he's got to be on the floor. And I didn't mean to rhyme. Pardon that, please. No, I, I, I guess my point is this, okay? Uh, Isaiah being able to penetrate, uh, you know, create a double team and make one pass out, okay, is that one pass is a lot more valuable than the ball moving around the perimeter three times with three with a defender in front of each man. If you want to talk about how you know the ball moved around more in in situation B, that's fine. Yeah, the ball moved around, but you didn't create any more opportunities. You didn't create better opportunities. And sometimes a better opportunity is created by less passing. It's created by drawing in a defense. Or, or if, you know, it's creating by scoring himself. Like I don't think it's fair to like say Isaiah Thomas is a selfish player. 
he, he, because he does what he's meant to do. He goes out there and he scores. And he's he's not a bad passer. It's not like he turns the ball over a lot. I I just think like looking at how many passes there are in a, in just the purest vacuum, it's sort of a short sighted uh, argument. It's like this argument I got in with with Chelsea on the post game show the other night about like he, he called in and he was angry about how many uh, three pointers the Celtics took in the game against Houston. When they they hit forty percent of their threes, they hit like this is hit, this like, is an old school view. Yeah. These these old school fans, yeah. Calvin, they don't like the three pointer for whatever reason. My dad is the same way. Not to compare Jelso to my dad, but I think uh, Nick is closer to my dad than he is to me. No offense, Jelso. No, but it's it's the same it's the same thing with passing. Look, passing is great in in you know in theory and in, in in practice. But again, I think there's a difference between a pass that sets up a basket or a pass that creates opportunity and a pass just a pass. And I, I think that the Celtics, you know, we, yeah, they may pass more without without Isaiah in there, but a lot of those passes aren't really creating any offense because they don't have any dribblers. And I think that's – I think it's good in some ways that Isaiah's out, not that I want to see him injured, but I think we saw in that Atlanta series last year, like when – uh, when teams manage to shut Isaiah down for whatever reason, the Celtics don't seem to know what to do at the end of the game. And, you know, right now is a good opportunity for them to try to figure that out. Yeah, and you know what? I wish that Avery Bradley would step up a little bit more or that they would run some plays for him to get going to the basket or take a mid-range jumper or something. Obviously, if they need a three, they have a couple of, of players that are similar in that regard, and Al Horford has to be one of your top options as well. But they've They've run a lot for Al Horford towards the end of games here with Isaiah Thomas on the on the with, with his injury, and I just I want them to go more to Avery Bradley because Jay Crowder still doesn't seem to have his shot in in the last week or so, and uh, Bradley is the guy that's been playing out of his mind so far this this year, and I think they they need to start paying him back for that and giving him some chances to win some games because he's done it in the past for them and he he can do it again. So I just. I put a little bit of that on the coaching staff, but at the same time, you do have to run stuff throughout Horford as well. He's definitely one of the best players, or if not the best player. Actually, he's the best player on the floor for the Celtics right now, uh, inarguably, even though Bradley has been having a, a good year. Um, but we seem to be in, a, in agreement on the whole Isaiah Thomas, are the Celtics better with or without him situation. So uh, let's let's move on to your team. What do you have to say about the Lakers tonight? Um, you know what? I think I think that um, we can move on to the Lakers next week. Let's see. They lost seven in a row. I was going to sort of talk about them a little bit, but um, yeah, they're sort of depressing me right now. And we it, it turned out we did have enough to talk about. So why don't right. we uh, just, just let's just move on to Phil Jackson? Cool. I don't really know what's going on with him, so take it. Well, I, it's like every week with this guy or something, right? Did you uh, did you see the comments that he made about Carmelo Anthony the other day, uh, where he said, you know, he he wants Carmelo Anthony to play the Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan role in the triangle uh, and be a, a facilitator, but Carmelo has a tendency to hold the ball for four or five seconds at a time, and thus he's basically said that he was a ball stopper, uh, which slows the offense down and doesn't allow the triangle to be run effectively. And Carmelo, and this was like the I, I didn't see one. But... Okay. So the Knicks have been on a hot streak lately, 
Uh, they've been one of the better teams in the NBA. So surprisingly, Derek Rose has played well. Carmelo is, you know, seems to be uh, fitting into that system nicely. And then, you know, Phil Jackson comes out and he makes this comment. Uh, people then, will, of course, run it back to Carmelo, and he says, you know, Phil can say whatever he wants. I'm not going to comment on that. And then he, he comes out and he makes, like, uh, a cryptic Instagram comment about haters and, like, pe- you know, people saying what they want to say. And then another story comes out later on about uh, Kobe Bryant having a conversation with Carmelo and telling him uh, – trying to give him advice on how to speak to Bill Jackson. And hmm. then supposedly the, the two of them then the next day had a conference with each other. Carmelo Anthony came out afterward and said, you know, we're both adults. We said what we had to say, and the issue is settled, and now moving on. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Multiple things, okay? Thing one, like, I feel like Bill Jackson forgot what Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan were like because they weren't that much different than Carmelo. Like, those those dudes held the ball. Like, those guys didn't run the triangle offense when they could help it. They held the ball and they created themselves out of the, the triangle offense. It's not like... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know what? I think that there's something different about Carmelo Anthony than there is between Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. They didn't have... They don't... Those guys had that killer instinct. I don't think Carmelo has it. And maybe this is Phil Jackson's way of calling him out, even though it's inconsistent with what, the way that he's praised his, his other players in the past. Look, I'm not saying Carmelo is as good as them or, uh, or really anything. The only, the only thing I'm saying is, is that like, the specific thing that Phil Jackson is calling uh, Carmelo out for it, which is holding the ball. Those guys also did. Carmelo's not, you know, at the, quite at the level of the, as those guys. And part of it is the fact that those guys accomplished things. But um, I think that their their games are probably a little more well rounded uh, than than Carmelo's. But that, that's a separate criticism. If you want to say like Carmelo's ceiling is not as high as as Kobe or Michael Jordan, that's you know that's fair. But that's also like, what are you going to do? How many you know how many players are better than Kobe and Carmelo? And Michael Jordan, like that's not really that's not really fair to say about him. But to say that like those guys were, you know, Jason Kidd out there with the basketball, just constantly moving it. They, those guys are Stephen Ash, and Carmelo just holds the ball too long and, and clogs up his triangle offense. Well, that, like that's what people complained about with Kobe, and he, even with Michael Jordan to a lesser extent. Because like Michael Jordan did the same thing, people just complained about it less because he hit such a high percentage of shot. So like. His, his specific complaint about Carmelo is ridiculous to me, and even even beyond that, Ray, why I don't the Knicks are on a roll. What is it about Phil Jackson? And he's always been this way. Why does as the GM of the Knicks does he come out and bury his you know best or second best player if you want to call it Porzingis? And why does he come out and bury him in the media when the team's playing well as the general manager? Name one other general manager who says something like that about a player. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 he seems like he's undermining himself for some reason. Does he not want this job or something? I don't, I don't know what Phil is doing. He, the Zen master is uh, playing games that are over my head because it doesn't make sense to me. The team's playing well. I looked at the standings the other day, and I, I was shocked to see the Knicks where they are because I didn't think that they were going to be able to pull things together. But for whatever reason, they've got it going. And um, for, for him to try and draw attention to himself or take – 
take credit away from Carmelo in a way at this point kind of doesn't make any sense. And if they're going to win games by not really playing the triangle the way that he wants them to, then so be it. He should be happy that they're winning games, right? Yeah, he should be. And it's funny that you say that because there is, like, the, the again, conspiracy theory uh, that's going on out here, too, that uh, Phil Jackson is trying to get fired from the Knicks so that he can go rejoin the Lakers and everyone here is, you know, either concerned or optimistic about it. Mostly, mostly concerned negatively, but a couple of people are optimistic about it. And yeah, that's that's always a possibility. But I don't think it's that. I think Phil Jackson, like, he just loves media attention. One, I think that he thinks like he's some sort of master psychologist because he's always been this guy. Even as a head coach, I remember him, you know, making constantly making comments about Kobe, making comments about Shaq, all the you know players on his team all the time sort of backhanded insults where he was acting like he was just talking about what was going on with the team when really he was trying to, quote, send a message to a guy. Phil Jackson has always talked through the media. He's always been smug about it, and I think it's it's finally starting to backfire on him. But I think think that he still thinks that he's that guy, that he's the coach, you know, that won 12 championships. But instead he's the GM that's won zero championships, and he doesn't realize – that he's not getting the same respect that he used to get, but I, I think he's just delusional about it. Yeah, the game has changed a little bit. The triangle is not going to work perfectly anymore. This is this is probably not the the battle to be waging. You're you're one of the only teams that still uses this, if not the only team. It's outdated. The league is going in a different direction, and Phil needs to to figure that out. If this next team is actually going to have any success, and he's going to be on the same page as his head coach, but. For for now, they're playing well, and you have to give them credit. I, I would be interested interested to see if this uh, has any effect on them over the next couple of weeks, and they start to go on a little bit of a losing streak, or maybe he pulls some deals or something to get some players out of town. I don't really know what his plan is there in New York. This does, it doesn't make any any sense. No, it, it really doesn't. I guess like in, in, he's done a decent job to his to his credit. Uh, I, although you know you can argue against the Joe Kim Noah and the, the Derek Rose contracts, but this team is playing better and they're they're playing well. You know, they're not going to win a title. It, it, I don't think he's done a horrible job at least over the last year or so. But it, it doesn't even matter because all he's doing is just undermining himself with these constant interviews that he's doing. You know, whether it's LeBron James or now this Carmelo thing, who knows what else will say. I think that you have to get rid of him at the end of the season, regardless. Wow, calling for Phil Jackson to be fired from the Knicks. Look at this. Look at Calvin. Yeah, fired. You're fired. Yeah. Mr. Phil, Mr. Jackson, you're gone, buddy. See you later. Adios. Yep. According to Calvin. Um, all right. Is there... I'm missing something? No, I'm not. Um, yeah. There's no more NBA? Did you... I don't even know what this mixed martial arts thing is. Do you want to talk about that or no? Oh, yeah. Um uh, no, I'm good. No, all right. Fair enough. That's going to do it for us then. So I have nothing else. Yep, I don't feel like it. Not going to do it. Perfect. All right. Talk to you next time, Calvin. Thank you all for listening. This has been Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. Go download the mobile app because it's great and it's free. That's what Nick Jelso does for you. He gives you free things. You can find it 
anywhere. CLNS Radio mobile app. Free! See you next time. Bye, everyone.